You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today I'm just hanging out with you, man. I'm just going to kind of peruse the Facebook group, see what's going on, answer a few questions, and uh, comment on a few comments. I did get one text message, so we'll comment on that very briefly. And after that, I think I'm going to call in sick, curl up in the fetal position, and uh, sleep for four days. That last part wasn't true, but man, I wish it was. I'm so tired. I mean, I know intravenous things are left up to nurses and whatnot. They don't have like a product you can pick up at Walmart that you can just stick into your veins. But I'm just saying, I wouldn't be that mad if somebody came up with a product where I could just shoot coffee in my veins and just, you know, be good. Maybe what I'll do is I'll manufacture one myself when I win the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever. You know, when I cash in that million dollars? What are you talking about, Pack Daddy? Oh, let me tell you. How about a season-long no-management $3.5 million in cash prizes fantasy football best ball tournament? I'm talking about dropping in a couple bucks and coming out the other end in 16 weeks a millionaire. That's what I'm talking about. Or maybe a hundred dollar error. I don't know. You know, it doesn't have to be a million. There's three point five million dollars in total cash prizes, man. Maybe it's just a thousand bucks. I don't know. But I know they got drafts running every couple minutes, and I know that if you haven't done it yet, you're wasting your life away. I also know for a limited time only you can get a free entry into the tournament if you make a deposit. The deposit is of your choosing. And then enter the promo code Packernet. Free entry. And a free shot at a million bucks by using promo code Packernet when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store. Go to Draft.com. Come play free with promo code Packernet. I made a, I made a jingle to it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So before we just start hanging out and just chatting in the Facebook group, which, by the way, make sure you get in the Facebook group, check the description. There is a link there. The link will take you to a bunch of links. And then in that link somewhere is a link that takes you to the Facebook group, wherein you can join the Facebook group. Otherwise, just search Packernet Podcast, and I'm confident it'll take you somewhere in the right vicinity. But come hang out, man. We're just, we're just hanging out. No big deal. 
But before we get to that, actually, I should probably mention that we did pick up another fullback by the name of Mr. Tommy Bohannon. He's a good little Irish boy. Actually, he's not, he's not super little, 6'1", 246. Bottom line, though, I wouldn't really put a ton into this. I think this is very similar to grabbing running backs because our starters aren't there and we need somebody to kind of fill that void because the offense needs to know how to run in, you know, 21 personnel and things of that nature. And, um, you know, rather than just saying, hey, Mr. Tight End, rather than doing what you're supposed to be doing and practicing as a tight end, let's just go out and grab a fullback and let him run fullback reps and et cetera, et cetera. And I think we know this. I, I really don't think I need to explain why, you know, maybe Tommy Bohannon doesn't need to be picked up in your fantasy football league. That's all I'm saying. But anyways, let's uh, move on from that. You know, it's funny because when I started the podcast, if you kind of just search around online, it seems like the cardinal sin is being a shill for the team. Right? Anytime there's like negative comments or there's a, a thing where it's like, oh, what's a good podcast or whatever to listen to it's people seem to get real i don't know they seem like they don't like people that are just positive all the time but i can tell you confidently i've never had anybody once message me and say dude you're such a hack you're so positive all the time every time i'm super positive i get a ton of messages saying they loved the podcast every time i'm super negative i have people saying they're not listening to the show anymore or in this case I said, let's cool it on Kumaro because we don't actually know what he can do in the regular season. We haven't seen it yet, although hopefully it translates. And I get, are you even a Packer fan? Just listen to the podcast about Kumaro. I didn't know, but I'd swear you were a Bears or Lions fan. Which I suppose is a a pretty good segue for me um, to tell you that it's true. I actually don't like the Packers. Um, I have done 504 episodes about the Green Bay Packers every single day getting up bright and early in the morning all for this moment when I can do an episode where I say maybe Kumaro's good but we're not sure yet gotcha (laughs) greatest burn of all time I just nailed the Packers so hard right there but uh, to answer your question directly I am actually a Packer fan as, as hard as that might be to believe I know I haven't done very much to demonstrate my Packer fandom and, I, you know, I mean, if you, if you look back, I've said good things about the Bears' defense. I actually said the Bears might be good last year prior to them even being good, which is a dead giveaway that I'm a Bears fan. But also I've said that the Lions actually have a pretty decent roster, although who knows what's going to happen with their head coach and all this other stuff. But they've, they've got the talent to pull it off. And the Vikings, I said they could have a bounce back. Jeez. I've also criticized guys like Geronimo Allison and Kevin King. Guys that I like and want very badly to succeed, but have said that I think fans overhype them because they haven't actually demonstrated very much outside of Kevin King shutting down Julio, which is awesome, but it was one game. And Geronimo won't be adequate, but nowhere near as good as people say. I mean, I've, I've said a lot of really egregious, sinful things, really. But um, I do hope that uh, you'll forgive me and allow me to continue this charade of a, a Packers show so that in the next 500 episodes, I can come back and, uh, you know, slam somebody else. Just just nail them, man. Just right to the wall. Maybe next time I'll take it a step further and say I don't actually anticipate him making the roster. Oh, you imagine that? That would be brutal. I'm being sarcastic and I'm messing around to whoever it was that sent that text message. But at the same time, come on, man. Number one, you have to know you're being ridiculous. And number two, don't take shots at a guy with a microphone. Even if you're right, you're going to lose. It's just, it's not a fun thing. 
But I know a lot of people were probably upset about the Kumaro thing. Whatever. I'm sure you'll be okay. And the good news is, once Kumaro makes the team and goes out and dominates and gets the game-winning touchdown against the Bears, I get to eat crow for about a week. And I'm going to eat it. Gladly. And I'm going to be the one that brings it up. It's going to be delicious. Um, speaking of uh, kind of being in a similar thing but transitioning, I thought I addressed this already, but I apparently didn't because I just had the third person tell me. It wasn't Ibrahim Campbell that slapped a guy and got booted from the team. It was Jermaine Whitehead, which is the greatest news ever because it answers all the questions, right? Very rarely, you know, th- there are things where I think something's going to happen, but then something else happens, or I don't think something's going to happen, but then it does. But I can't think of any time where something happens and it's like, I got nothing. And I might have to unravel everything that I think I know and everything that I think I understand because this makes no sense. But now it makes perfect sense. Jermaine Whitehead is gone for slapping a dude. Ibrahim Campbell is only gone because he got injured. And then once he got cleared physically or whatever, they brought him right back. So the universe makes perfect sense. And it, it gives me even more confidence in Ibrahim Campbell because he was never actually cut. It was just that he got injured. So the somewhat optimism of saying it's a limited sample size, but he looked real good, I can continue on with that whole thing, and, and we'll just see how this thing plays out. But, you know, the the part of me that says this guy could actually be a legitimate competitor as a number four, possibly even number three safety on the team, I'm pretty excited about that. So I, I really thought I clarified that, but if not, hey, we can all be excited together. But anyways, the the first official question in the Facebook group comes from RL, that's how he lists his name on Facebook, but um, probably my biggest supporter as far as the podcast goes, that would include my wife. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, she is easily top 100 as far as supporters go. Maybe. Maybe. But Ryan says, why in the world did we cut Grant? Brian Gutekunst has got to loosen up on this 5'11", 225 prototype. We had a pass catching back with six speed. No way we couldn't have had a role for him. So it's weird because I really want to let this thing go and and just be like, you know, I'm sure it's not that dogmatic and it's not that big of a thing. And like I said, it started off as a joke, but it just keeps happening. And I'm sure it's not exactly that. In fact, I think if there's one that probably doesn't matter as much, it's the 5'11". But I think there might actually be something, too, and we've heard Brian Gutekunst talk about this offensively and defensively with running backs, with wide receivers. They like bigger guys. You know, even when we were talking about possibly getting a slot guy, Brian Gutekunst was talking about getting the bigger slot guys, and it all comes down to durability. The Packers are making a very conscious effort to keep guys that are that are bigger because they hold up better. I mean, that you know, not that big guys can't get hurt and pull hamstrings and everything else, but as far as breaking down over time, it just seems like the, the bigger guys hold up more. So I think, although it's not impossible to have a you know a 200-pound guy or whatever on the team and succeed and everything else, I just think that's sort of a knock against you. And, and when it comes to, you know, we're going to keep, I don't know, three, four running back slash fullback guys, he's not really going to make it. But still, I mean, he was he was also the first one to go, which is like, really? Was he really the bottom of the barrel? He was the worst back we had? Come on. But um, it would, I mean, this is one of those areas where it's like, I wish I could just sit down and talk. Like, I, I wouldn't even put it on the podcast. Like, I just want to know for myself. Like, can we just have a conversation? Because I want to know what this is about. Because Packer fans really, really want a receiving back. That doesn't mean you can't be a running back, like you're strictly a receiving back. But I just want to know, like, how important that is to this team and to, 
Matt LaFleur and also to Mike McCarthy. It just, or, or I guess Brian Gutekunst would be the common thread here as far as acquiring personnel. But how big of a priority is that? And, and you know, obviously you're not going to avoid it. If you've got a guy like, you know, Saquon Barkley or something that falls into your lap, you're going to play him. It's not going to be like, well, I don't know, he's really good, but dude can catch the ball too, so we're going to avoid that. I, I, I guess the weird thing to me is it seems like it, it's not at all a priority. However, once a player gets on the team, it's all about, well, he's got to get better at catching the ball, catching the ball, catching the ball, catching the ball, catching the ball. Well, we, we've got options, man. <laughs> I don't know. And, I, and it, it's, I don't think it's just the Packers. You know, you look at the Browns with Duke Johnson. I think he was a really, really, really good uh, strictly receiving back. And they've, they've got a bunch of other backs that they can rely on, so it kind of makes this sense they got rid of them. But there's not a lot of value being put on those types of guys. I think there's super high value on the Le'Veon Bells and the Alvin Kamaras. Like I said, the guys that can do everything. So I think the, the list would be the guys that can do absolutely everything, then strictly running backs that hopefully we can teach to catch a football and, and occasionally throw the ball to, and then further on down the totem pole would be all I can do is catch a pass. But even if you're that guy, you also definitely need to be able to block. Because your job essentially is going to be to stand in on third down, pick up extra blockers. If no one's coming, just go run somewhere. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. We'll see what happens with the running backs this year. Um, I obviously feel confident with the running backs, but things change over the course of the season. You know, if Aaron Jones ends up getting hurt again, that's three years in a row. It becomes kind of a big question mark. You know, Jamal, is he going to be able to step up and really thrive in the system? If not, count him out. Then all of a sudden, all we have is Dexter. And Dexter's fine, but he's definitely, well, I shouldn't say he's definitely, maybe he'll be an Aaron Jones type, but I I don't expect that. Point is, maybe we start having a conversation of bringing in another another running back and maybe not waiting until the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. I'm not saying first, but I am saying that this is a pretty stacked running back class coming up. In fact, that's what our next uh, NFL draft um, episode is going to be about, so I've been looking at those guys a lot. First thing I did was make a list and try to find the uh, the 5'11", 225 guys. And actually, I'm pretty excited because Pro Football Focus put out basically a preliminary or a, a pre-draft. You know, usually they put out the thing prior to the draft. They're actually putting out a 2020 thing just yesterday prior to the 2019 college football season so I can get a bit of a preview and see all those prototypes and find the guys that the Packers like and where they ranked prior to and just have guys that I'm super excited about already. Maybe I can we can dabble with that in a little bit. Uh, Jeff says, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Petten being on the sideline as opposed to the box? I, you know, I feel like the fan in me just loves it, and I feel like there's a lot of value to it and being there and being able to keep your guys accountable and to be able to scowl at them from the sideline and be able to, you know, cheer and do. I mean, I I really do think that's important, and especially when we're talking about getting a more mean and vicious and fast defense. You know, I mean, it's just. Put it this way, how much more productive are you at work when your boss is over your shoulder, right? The the only thing, I guess, is, you know, obviously there's an advantage to his line of sight up in the box to be able to see the things a little bit clearer and also, you know, having everything spread out so that he can maybe be a little bit quicker with his play calls. And it, it just seems like logically sitting in the booth makes more sense, but emotionally, um you know, being on the sideline makes, and, I, and I'm not making a judgment call. I think actually evo- emotionally emphasizing the emotion part might actually be more beneficial. As ridiculous as that sounds, especially to me, which is something I don't know if I've ever said in my life. But in this case, bringing that part of the game up, the, the energy and the emotion and the violence and the, the just playing with much more intensity, that might be 
the more important aspect at this point, especially if, if Mike Pettin has gotten a little bit more comfortable with, you know, calling plays without having to have everything spread out where he can just, you know what I mean? I mean, he's been doing this long enough. He should be able to handle it from the sideline. So while there's a, a, a minor strategic disadvantage compared to what he had last year, I really think being there is, is going to be kind of a boost. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Trying not to get overly excited because I really want to because just seeing him pace around on the sideline is just awesome. And it just it kind of brings up, again, this, I don't even like saying it because it sounds so dumb, but, again, the, the Packers team, especially the defense, has always been seen as, like, soft. You know, Dom Capers just sitting in the box, some old dude just kind of hanging out. But having this fast, vicious, violent defense with Zadarius and with Kenny Clark and with Jair and with guys just popping people, and then you pan over to the sideline and you got the scariest-looking dude pacing around and screaming and doing all this stuff, it's like it just it brings this mean nastiness to the Packers' defense overall. Even though he's not on the field, it just changes the dynamic of what the Packers' defense is and the perception of it. You know, you think about basically the guy that tutored him, Rex Ryan. I mean, you know, Rex was kind of a bigger, goofy-looking dude, but he was a he was a mean, scary guy, and he brought a a very vicious, violent energy to to the defense, probably to the offense too. I don't I don't know, but yeah, I I am excited about it. I really am. Um, Eric from the Facebook group says, I haven't heard anyone touch on this yet. Our defense is something to be excited about already. They had a pretty solid showing last night. However, that doesn't go far enough in stating what they accomplished. Our third and fourth string defense was playing against a second string quarterback all night. Webb made some plays, but a good portion of these players won't make the active roster. He should make plays. Yeah, again, I I like what the defense did. Uh, One of the things that's been pointed out is if we had had a quarterback that wasn't as mobile as Joe Webb, then there probably would have been more sacks and all these kinds of things. Unfortunately, that's not going to change very much this coming week where we play the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and I am going to assume that he's going to be playing at least a little bit. Behind him is RG3, um, who I think is hurt, and if he's not, maybe I'm just assuming he's hurt. I'm not sure. And they also have Trace McSorley, who runs, I think, like a 4-5-7, so he's pretty quick as well. The other quarterback, however and is our best chance of getting a sack and, uh, you know, hitting a guy, is Mr. Joe Callahan, former Green Bay Packers backup, and a guy that would probably come in and be, well, never mind. I wouldn't be super upset if Joe Callahan was a Packer. Not that he's a leader or anything, he's just one of those guys, I kind of like Joe Callahan, I don't know. The good news, however, um, I don't think Lamar is a very good quarterback. Uh, RG3 isn't a very good quarterback. Joe Callahan is definitely beatable, and uh, Trace McSorley, I have no idea probably not going to be very good. So they're going to be slippery, and I I guess it's a good thing to be able to learn to handle this kind of stuff. Because remember, you know, week one, Mitch Trubisky, I don't know he's necessary. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he he can move. So it's good to get a little bit of training and and learn to contain and those kinds of things. And and keep an eye on that. Sometimes the the focus is on contain and Packer fans or, or fans in general kind of get upset. Like, oh, you didn't pressure the quarterback. It's like, yeah, I know. Sometimes it's a different play call. Sometimes it's a different priority, right? I mean, there were, there were several times we saw Rashawn Gary, for example, stunt to the inside to try to get to the quarterback, and what happened? The guy breaks to the outside for like a 15-yard gain. So they tried it. It bit us real bad, and we stopped trying it. But, yeah, it'll be exciting to, to watch the defense again and hope that they can all take a step. Jonathan says, bold prediction, Ty Summers will step in, take over the number two linebacker job, and we'll actually see an uptick in production from that position with Burks out. 
It's definitely not impossible, especially considering all we have to go on is what he did last year, and last year Oren Burks was not very good. No, I don't, I don't know if I can take it quite so far as to say Ty Summer. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a bold prediction, so it's fine. But it, it's a little tougher to say, you know, if I had to put my money down today and if Burks was healthy, who would be better at linebackers saying Ty is better than Burks? That's, that could be a bold prediction, but as far as him outperforming what we saw from Burks last year, and, and we didn't see a ton because he got hurt, definitely possible. Either way, I don't think it's a super ideal situation. I don't know that Burks was necessarily going to bring the house down with his abilities. I don't know that Ty Summers is necessarily going to be a stud either. I think what really we're going to see is the you know the Packers haven't put a lot of emphasis at linebacker. Even with this being one of the thinner uh, groups that we have, they're okay with getting rid of Jake Ryan. They're okay not drafting linebackers early or hardly at all, knowing full well that this is essentially what it is. So the question is, you don't think linebacker is super important. We'll see, right? We'll see. I mean, it, you know, if you can get by with Blake Martinez and Ty Summers or, or Bolton or whoever ends up playing there, then I guess you're right. And, and wasting a first, second, third round pick, um, third, uh, wasting a first round pick on a linebacker, I guess is a waste. Not that you would necessarily regret it if they're a dynamic player, but again, we're, it's going to be put to the test at this point. And if it ends up being a nightmare and guys are gashing us up the middle and we can't cover tight ends and all this other stuff, then I think you guys were wrong and we need to rectify this, and, you know, starting next year, whether it's free agency or the draft, we, we really need to step this up. I doubt we're going to be able to get a guy like Dylan Moses necessarily, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Todd says, Ryan, you really want a nickname suggestion for Nidare Rouse, which it took me the last probably 10 minutes of just now to find his name. I looked at every single video that I could find, and finally somebody actually said his name. Which, by the way, am I the only one where Packers.com videos don't work? Anywhere I go, when I go there, it just, they don't play. It's just like an image. And I reload it and reload it and reload it, and once every hundred tries or something, the video will actually play. Why is Packers.com one of the worst sites ever? It's always given me problems. you think an NFL-driven website would be better. Which, by the way, NFL.com isn't great either. Anyways, Todd's suggestion was uh, Night Air of the Practice Squad Nightmare. So, I'll put that in my back pocket. Anyways, why don't we take a little break and um, we'll jump back in and see how many more of these questions and comments we have left. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Um, Todd jumped back in, says, bold take with Oren Burks down. Josh Jones will win the second starting inside linebacker slot. He goes on to elaborate that this would be an opportunity for him to have a starting role, which is essentially what he wants. And ultimately, the Packers are better off with Josh Jones at linebacker over Oren Burks. And I, I guess I would say it's very similar to the Ty Summers thing, although Josh Jones is probably going to be better, and it wouldn't be that shocking if he's better than Oren Burks also because we're talking about a similar similar kind of player right one is designated as a safety the other one is designated as a linebacker but Oren Burks is a smaller faster more coveragey kind of linebacker Josh Jones is a bigger stronger kind of run stoppy safety 
So the overlap puts them basically in a pretty similar situation. The, the biggest difference being Josh Jones was a second-round pick. And um, a lot of people definitely like him as a linebacker. I, you know, I know his biggest weaknesses was in was in coverage, and it would be kind of nice just to be able to see him if we just put him at at linebacker. Obviously, there's going to be a good amount of coverage, but as far as linebackers go, obviously, as much as he wasn't great at it, could he be better than a Ty Summers or an Oren Burks? Possibly, yeah. So I actually don't hate that. In fact, I, I think it's kind of important that they just go ahead and do it for the sake of you know trying to keep Josh Jones on the team number one. For the sake of adding depth, for the sake of adding talent, I, you know, it's actually the more I think about it, the more it's like it, with them not doing this, it really just kind of points to how much they don't like, <laughs> they don't like Josh Jones. Because it's kind of, yeah, it's a, why wouldn't you just do that? I'm not saying you have to hand him the job. I'm just saying just throw him out there. Just be like, all right, you're going to start with Blake today or put him after Ty Summer or whatever, right? Just, just let him go earn it. I don't know. We'll see. There's more uh, training camp going on today. It would be kind of cool to hear that uh, you know, Josh Jones is starting at linebacker. Because I, I, do, I do agree. I think he would win the job. And although not you know probably going to be Luke Keekley or anything, he, I think he would be admirable. And it would be a good compliment to, uh, to Blake Martinez. But we'll see. I mean, it, it, again, if they don't, I really just think it continues to speak to the fact that Josh Jones just really isn't somebody that the Packers care for. right? It, it ultimately is going to be up to Mike Pettin, and I don't know that Mike Pettin really cares for Josh Jones. Just straight up. And again, this this sort of dire need at linebacker really just sort of highlights how much I think that I was correct in that assessment. Uh, Dustin says he would like us to look at Mason Foster as a linebacker um, with the Oren Burks injury. You know, I I understand the desire for a veteran presence, but let me just let me just do this rather than me directly telling you something and sounding like I'm being negative to people. Let me just read what Roto World's last few notes are on Mason Foster. Just a couple news and notes things, the last few notable things for Mason Foster. And maybe it'll give you an idea why the guy is just not getting signed by anybody. This is from March of 2016, and uh, he just signed a two-year deal worth $2.5 million with the Redskins. It says, signed in late September, Foster started the final six games of the season, including the playoff loss to Green Bay. Foster was no better than league average, but that is a considerable improvement on his four years in Tampa. So he was garbage, now he's average, so there's that. In 2017, there's a note that uh, Mason Foster was put on injured reserve with a torn labrum, ended his season. Then in January the following year, the Redskins re-signed inside linebacker Mason Foster to a two-year, $4 million contract, and here's what they had to say. Foster, who ended 2017 on IR with a torn labrum, can earn a maximum of $7 million. He was an every-down player before going down in October, but was a liability. So that's not great. Then, about a, after one year of his two-year contract, the Redskins let him walk. They released him from the team, I should say. And here is the note. Foster spent the past four seasons in Washington. He clashed with his coaching staff at times last year, so the timing of the release is a bigger surprise than him getting cut. In other words, it makes sense that he was cut. It's just weird they didn't cut him sooner because he was not a great teammate. He was a locker room problem. He was giving his coaches problems. Also, he's not that good of a football player after he tore his labrum, and he's 30. And if we go look at pro football focus, if you're into that kind of stuff, essentially the guy had one good year in 2016. Other than that, I mean, since 2011, let me give you all the overall defensive grade numbers. 43, 63, 59, 53, 56, 79, 64, 58. 
The one real positive that stands out tends to be his tackling. Not always great, but generally he's a very good tackler. But uh, run defense is mediocre. Pass rush is mediocre. Coverage is non-existent. He's 30 years old. He's super banged up. You know, could we bring him in and kind of set a floor? In other words, you know, at least we're not going to be worse than this. Yes, but also we've got a Blake Martinez. I think we're looking for an Oren Burks type. And I don't think Mason Foster fits that role. If anything, he would be more of a Blake Martinez type. So, you know, it's, it's worth looking into, I suppose, but I, I probably wouldn't pull the trigger on that one. Uh, Jack says, is anyone else worried about Savage? Everyone is still high on the guy, but he hasn't really done anything yet, and that kind of worries me. I understand that they're easing him in, uh, but I feel like for the hype that has grown around this guy and how we still actively talk as if he's going to be a starter, that's going to kill it. Well, that is something to be skeptical about. Yeah, I mean, but here, here's the issue. I don't think the problem necessarily was with Savage. I think the problem was with us hyping him so much. Right? Again, same thing I've been saying about a lot of other people, but this is me included. I've been hyping Darnell Savage and how excited I am about Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage has had very, very little practice, and they're still not even giving him a ton of reps. And yeah, it, it's true. He hasn't done anything yet, which is kind of, you know, it'd be nice but as far as the draft picks go, not many of them have. Rashawn Gary has had a lot of positive notes, but it's been positive-ish, right? He's super fast, but, you know, he didn't exactly make a play. Um, Elton Jenkins is just starting to make a splash, and he's been taking tons of reps. When it started off, I mean, he just, he was okay. He was not a starter. Still isn't, but, you know, I mean, it's just now suddenly, especially after the preseason game, it's like, all right, he's starting to get some reps with the ones and he's starting to have some really good reps and he's you know it's it's slowly growing over time uh jay sternberger has not really done anything yet i know he's a third round pick but it's you know it was another one where i was kind of hoping especially considering the lack of any real talent at tight end no offense to jimmy graham and i don't think it's just because he's not i mean nobody at tight end has really done anything to stand out this entire past month so i was hoping jace would kind of jump out and you know kind of show everybody similar to what we're seeing with Gary where it was like oh that was impressive you know maybe he doesn't know all the nuances of the offense yet but man that was a nice looking route there's been nothing so you know it, it's it's going to be one of those things where I was hoping and a lot of us were hoping that obviously you were hoping Savage is going to jump out and just blow everybody's mind day one just whoa he's super fast he's flying around he made a great tackle he made an interception but it's going to take some time right? If nothing else, because of the lack of opportunities he's had, he's got to learn the defense. He's getting eased in. Maybe it's going to take some time. Maybe it's going to be a month, two months, two years. I don't know. But I think the best thing for all of us is to kind of back off, give Savage some time to develop, um, probably cool it with, you know, as you said, maybe relax with the he's going to be a freak stuff because we'll see. But also let's not over panic in the other direction where he hasn't had a pick in, you know, 18 snaps that he's had through preseason and training camp, therefore I'm panicking. Right now it's it's Rashawn Gary and a little bit of Kadar Holman, possibly Ty Summers. Other than that, you know, we'll see. Well, Elton Jenkins, but as far as genuine excitement, that it's hard to get super excited about anybody being a real big freak. I think Rashawn Gary kind of has the edge, but we still have to see, you know, against starting competition and can he finish? Can he get to the quarterback and bring him down? What is he going to, you know, we don't know yet. But, um, you know, it, it, it's no reason to kill Brian Gutekunst yet. We, we have to see. Maybe there's going to be a bunch of guys that, that develop over time. And, and that includes last year's guys. I mean, it, it takes time for certain people to develop. 
you know, maybe Josh Jackson breaks out. You know, we, we want to just forget about, we know who the last year's class was. We already know all about those guys. Let's see what the new guys can do. Well, some people, it's not a year one thing. It's a year two thing. Some guys, it's a year three thing. So we'll see. I was definitely hoping to hear more about Savage, but I also was expecting him to be playing more. Still optimistic. So Jason says, it sounds like everyone hates the third down foghorn. So what should they play at that time? The sound of a beer can opening, the screaming goat that I had suggested back in episode whatever, and I had forgot about that. That's hilarious, and I would love for that to be a thing. And he says, let's hear your ideas. So before we get into some of the ideas, which are obviously hilarious because it's an awesome Facebook group, a couple of thoughts. Um, Number one, I don't necessarily hate the idea of actually having this. I know I'm not supposed to say this as a Packer fan, but obviously I've been outed as a non-Packer fan. But I actually really like the Vikings thing. I think that's that's kind of awesome. I think it's super ominous and dark and loud. And it just, you know, when you're playing there, especially when they were good in 2017, and that, which I think is when they introduced it, and it's like this defense is just unrelenting, and you're playing in Minnesota, and the offense is really good, and you're just trying to get going. And then you hear that ominous horn, and it's like, oh, like I'm, I'm sitting in my house in Wisconsin watching on a four-inch television, and I'm scared. Not scared, but you know what I mean? It's like this, it just makes, it's demoralizing. It's like, man, they're so good. I don't know what it is about the horn, but I, 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 I do like that. I'll also admit, I have no idea what this third down foghorn thing is. Apparently, I didn't either didn't hear it or just didn't think anything of it when I heard it. I don't even remember it being a thing, but it sounds like it was dumb. Now, with that said... Several people have made comments to the effect that essentially none of this matters. The problem is that you got a bunch of old people that refuse to stand up and cheer for the team. That is 100,000% true. Now, I think two things can be true at once. We should get some noise going, but yes, as Sean said, uh, I'll give you his comment and then his comment to his comment. He says, just revamp the season ticket holder issue and set aside a certain amount of season tickets, specifically for people within the age range of 18 to 35. It's really that simple. And then he goes on to say it's actually quite or kind of hilarious that the Packers organization are trying to put a Band-Aid on it with some fake noise. And that that's pretty much true. But again, two things can be true at once. We, we have to do something about that. I mean, it, it really is a big problem. And again, as, as much as I like to take pride in the whole the Packers have the best fans in the world... I'm not going to stand by that until Packer fans learn how to cheer at the stadium because that's ridiculous. I'm dead serious. Any Anytime I see anything that says the Packers have the best fans, and I understand there's multiple metrics, but give me a break if you can't even stand up in your own stadium and cheer. Especially if you're scolding people for standing. I can't see. I didn't even know that was a thing until I went to a game several years ago and didn't want to sit on a literal ice block of a bleacher. I didn't even touch metal. It was it was three inches thick of ice on the bleacher. And I'm freezing to death. And so the Packers are doing stuff. And I'm like, all right, let's get up. Woo! Right? Two for one deal. I get to cheer for the team. And I'm standing up. I'm not on the ice block. I'm getting warmer. This is great. And some old lady yells at me, hey, sit down. I can't see. And I'm just stunned. And I'm looking around and everyone's staring at me like I'm a freak. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? What is happening right now? Like, we really just sit? This is what we do here? Yep, we sit. And I sat there, sitting on an ice block, just watching as though it's on television, except I'm not at home watching it on my tel. Why am I not at home? I get a better picture at home. I can see the field better. I can see the play better. They got instant replay. Also, I got pizza. And it's not $75. Why, why would anybody go to a football game? I really want to know if you go to a... Why? Why do you go there? 
If all you're going to do is sit there and stare, either because that's all you want or because that's all anybody will let you do, why are you going there? What, what really is the benefit? You can't see anything. You're so far away. Exper- experience of what? Fighting traffic? Parking and walking a really long way? Paying a lot of money? $8 water bottles? Not being able to see the game very well? Dealing with crazy drunk people? Fighting to get back to your car? Fighting to get out of the parking lot? A long drive home? What, what is it about that experience that's super exciting? If you're just going to go there and sit. I mean, if you're going to go there and get super jacked up and be a part of this game and cheer and everything else, I mean, and and that's, listen, this is exactly the point. If you're driving from far away, you're the kind of person who wants to fully engage in the experience. It's the people that literally live next door that walk to the game that go to every game because they got season passes and they just walk there because it's part of the thing. And I just, I'd rather sit here instead of my couch, just, you know, maybe once in a while, sometimes I'd rather sit in front of my couch, whatever. That is the problem. And I really want to start putting more emphasis and more push on this. I mean, I, there was somebody else talking about we need to start a social media camp. Every, anything and everything, whether it's me complaining on a podcast or people doing it there, or even, I, I forget who it was, if it was Gutekunst or, or Lafleur or somebody, flat out called people out, players have called people out. And as embarrassing as that is for me as a fan to hear the own, our own players say, you know, guys are doing the wave, blah, 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 you know, whatever... That needs to happen. We need to go through this painful process of saying, look, our fan base is kind of trash until we fix this. Just straight up trash. And I know I'm only talking about a small fraction, but I don't care. That's what I'm going to call it until this gets fixed. I mean, we... we, Ugh. Do you imagine being the opposing team and going out there, and it's like a third down, and you look around, and nobody's doing anything? Like, there's a couple people making noise, but it's like the most quiet stadium you've ever been in. The only noise you can hear is one young kid in the front row, like, screaming and banging on the little pad on the side, with, and then some old lady behind going, shh, and that's, like, the extent of the noise. It's just, it's just, it's embarrassing is what it is. It's ridiculous. But anyways, I'll stop complaining and get to some of these comments. Number one, Todd says, the sound of Ryan berating me for my love of Jay Kumaro. Jeff says, nothing, just limit the amount of 85-year-olds screaming at people to sit down. That's a fair point, however... Again, that's pretty much the full extent of the noise that you get at Lambeau right now. So we're playing a dangerous game with that. Sonny says moo, so he would like a cow, which I guess, you know, it's Wisconsin, but I don't know, man. Talk about a dangerous game. We already got a bunch of old people that just sit there quietly that are, like, knitting in the stands, and then you got, like, a moo sound. I just, you know, opposing teams are just going to start laughing. It's, it's going to get ugly. Todd says, I'd like to uh, hear a clip of Kirk Cousins saying you like that every time we score versus the Vikings. That would actually be kind of cool. Maybe we could just do stuff like that. Like, just mock people. I guess it's, We don't have, like, a cool horn. But, you know, w- when we score against the Bears, we play the Bears still suck. You like that versus Kirk Cousins or the Vikings. I have no idea what you do for the Lions. You get the idea, though. Todd adds, or maybe just the sound of Mitch Trubisky weeping softly into a pillow. Uh, David says, air raid or emergency siren. And Nico says, I still like the Go Pack Go song. I think we should, you know, I think Go Pack Go would be fantastic if we also revamped the the, the stadium. And, and I mean, it, it does come with additional problems because the reason we're sold out constantly and the reason that, you know, I don't know, I think there are potential issues with any of these suggestions that would change the, I mean, I guess it would just be kind of transferring season ticket stuff, but I, I don't know. But just imagine, and it doesn't have to be young. You know, obviously there's 50, 60-year-olds that can get super jacked up and crazy. 
But just imagine how cool Go Pack Go would be in a stadium filled with about 80,000 people that are all jacked up and screaming to where Go Pack Go was actually deafening to where the, the team couldn't even really hear because Go Pack Go was that loud. You got to do something, man. They got to fix that. Um, I'm going to do one more because I just realized what time it is and I got to get flying. But uh, Sean Luke says, what was the PFF grade on Yash Nijman? Larry McCarron did a rock report on him today, and it looks like he uh, showed out against the Texans. Due to 6'7", 350 pounds, I would not be upset if he made the team. Look at how badly he mauled guys. I would, but again, the videos don't work for me. So I did briefly mention uh, Yash when I was going through because I talked about how great the offensive line was. And it was in terms of pass blocking, Elton Jenkins, Alex Light, Adam Pankey, Justin McCray, Anthony Coyle, Lucas Patrick all had very good grades. And then I mentioned that there was one that was very close, and I may as well mention him as well, and that's all, that it would be Mr. Yash Nijman. Because 80s are very good, and he had a 79.3. And really, the only reason he wasn't highlighted more is because there were other people that were so insanely good. Again, number one pass blocking group in the entirety of the preseason. They were just guys were just really showing up the negative would be the uh, run blocking and maybe that's what the video was highlighting I don't know I don't know how many of them were good or how many of them were bad but they didn't necessarily care for his run blocking so much in fact um, Elton Jenkins and Robert Tanyan were the only two that they had lower in terms of uh, run blocking grade so as a result similar to Elton Jenkins uh, he had a pretty low grade Elton was quite a bit lower but um both of them were phenomenal pass blockers, but the, the, the run blocking grade they didn't care for, which I know is one of the things that PFF gets knocked for a ton, is the, the offensive line play. So if you want to watch the Rock Report and see what he had to say and, and kind of take him at his word, whatever you want to do, is I, I don't really care. But this is, this is the resource I have to go off of. And um, either way, it's good to see him show up because, again, there is some agreement between um, the Rock and PFF, at least in terms of his, his pass blocking abilities. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.